Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Ty from the Bench Clear Media team, and this is Breaker Culture Weekly. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, great, great conversation today with Joe, also known as Bunchu. Um, uh, runs the Wrecked Podcast, a part of the Coin HQ Network. And uh, I had him back on the show because we had a great conversation in the spring, but there was a lot I wanted to dig into around the cryptocurrency similarities to the sports car world. I think there's a lot we can learn when we start looking at different markets and how they've been responding to different, you know, um, political and economic situations. And uh, I mean, no one would argue that there's a, a, a massive bubble in the sports card world. And so I think it's helpful to give you guys different perspectives on things. And so uh, Joe is, is, is very well educated in the cryptocurrency world, the Bitcoin world. And um, the way it overlays with things going on in the sports car world, are it's fascinating. I think there's a lot to learn. Now, this is a little bit more technical than usual. So if you're not interested in anything in the financial markets or you don't want to learn about this stuff, then maybe it's not the episode for you. But again, I want to give you guys stuff, insight that will help you make better decisions and uh, hopefully get ahead of the game when it comes to sports cards. So... Uh, Enjoy this conversation. I think you'll get a lot from it. It's only an hour long, but uh, it's pretty intense. <laughs> um, all right, real quick before we jump into that conversation, though, uh, the most important sponsor I've had in a long time, ExpressVPN. I mentioned it in the last show. I reached out to them because they have been incredibly important to me. Like I said, I, I was hacked uh, multiple times over the last five years, but specifically about four months ago. And I, I was doing a poor job of not signing into the VPN um, to protect myself. And in this, I'm telling you guys, in this day and age, the COVID-19 world, um, there are so many more security issues. You're, you're so much more at risk than ever before. And you got to do what you need to do to protect yourself. Again, it's as simple as clicking a button on ExpressVPN to sign in and mask your IP address. In other words, for the non-technical, it just puts a blanket over all of your credentials and all of your data and it it scrambles it up so that hackers um, and snipers can't can't steal your data look again it's PayPal it's the it's the square it's the stripe it's the eBay you're logging into com C you're logging in um, to, to wherever you may log into whether it's financial information your bank accounts you want to protect yourself. ExpressVPN is the easiest way to do it. You can sign up with the link in the show notes and get a month free to try it. And I'm telling you guys, it is so simple. All you have to do is when you log in in the morning on your computer, click connect to the city closest to you. It'll mask your your data and allow you to browse protected. Um, A very, very simple solution to a, a pretty big problem. So anyway, go check it out. Link in the show notes. Benchclear.us forward slash ExpressVPN. But again, links there. Enjoy the conversation with Bunchu, cryptocurrency, and sports cards. Oh, yeah.
Hey, what's going on, guys? Ty from the Bench Clear Media team, and I'm excited to have back on the show Bunchu, Joe, whatever you want to call him, uh, the guy that does all kinds of stuff in the crypto world and now does some cool stuff with his his group breaking at the breakery, which we'll talk about today. I'm really excited to have Joe back on the show. Joe, how you doing, man? Awesome, man. It's uh, good to be back. We did this. I can't believe the last time we did this was May already. Crazy. I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> it funny because I think when we're on the Discord, we're always chatting and we're yeah. not thinking about like time, the perspective of time. Yeah, especially like, you know, in COVID world where I don't know about you, but I felt like the first, you know, five, six weeks went so slow. And then now it's been lightning speed. Like my life is changing before my eyes every day. So no kidding. No, I, I can. I can relate to that for sure, <laughs> right? You got little kids running around all day. You, I mean, the week goes by and it's like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah, yeah. I got one on the way, so uh, I'll be joining the team soon. I'm uh, team dad. We don't know what it is yet, so we'll see if it's a uh, little boy or girl. We'll, we'll find out soon. <laughs> Good for you. Are you going to wait till yeah. today? Yeah, we're going to find you, we're gonna wait. People always ask, like, we did it for our first and our last, and uh it's, it's the one surprise you you get to yeah. enjoy in life, right? It's a good surprise. Yeah, that's a good one. Exactly, exactly. As long as it's healthy, good surprise all around. That's Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Is your so I'm going to warn you. So that the the toughest times I've had dealing with cards and my wife, and we're always transparent about it, are like that last month of the uh, pregnancy, where like everything tightens up. Yeah. Sure. And then the three months after, we're like, the hormones have gone crazy. It's like, we'll see a card on the di- dining table. And it's like, get the card off the table. <laughs> Should I start using your PSA 10 as coasters? And then that's Oh, it. exactly. Yeah, just, uh, just be aware. Be aware. Yeah. We got we we're doing uh we just bought a house too, so we're moving and everything. So it's gonna be it's a whirlwind couple weeks slash months over here. So. Why not? Why not do it all? Exactly. Uh, get them out of the way, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So last night um we had to kick off the NFL season. What were your initial reactions? Did, did with the COVID world did it affect your viewing? Of it's the- inter- yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like for me. I've been kind of I don't I like don't even know what sports season it is, right? You got uh you got the NBA playoffs still going on, you got the NHL playoffs still going on, you baseball, you're like halfway through the season, you're like, well, what day? Yeah. I don't even know what is yeah. happening here. So it, but you know, football is kind of uh, you know, it's on schedule, right? So I kind of feel like I've now back centered in what the timeline of my life is. So it was nice to see football back. It's it feels like fall here, so football weather. Um, and the game, I mean, I think, I feel like the last couple years, the Thursday night kickoff game has not been, uh, very, you know, exciting matchups. I mean, you got, you got, especially when you're talking like hobby, you got Watson, Mahomes, you got Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like it was a, it was a fun matchup and, uh, they, Hilaire didn't disappoint. That's for sure. (laughs) That little booger's good. Did you see what, you see what his cards are doing this morning? Oh, I did not. You got something. They uh, so I was seeing like the raw Donruss going for like 183 this morning. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd uh, like that. I'm looking right now. Let's look it up, and we'll we'll, we'll confirm. I uh, think that's I think that's what I saw somewhere. Something crazy like that, though, where you know it's 
he was all hyped before because you know he's he's one of the exciting rookies and he did not uh disappoint sweet mercy right yeah these are i mean this was this morning you're seeing buy it nows of his base rated rookie cards of 80 90 wow mm-hmm. yeah and then people were listing him at 180 there you go yeah you wait till you see uh today you get the mosaic football release so that that's what everybody's going crazy about today and uh so wait till you see what those cards probably go for oh my goodness well that that release being so short printed um is going to be really interesting because i mean it's not going to be out in the wild on the right side for at least two weeks and when it does come out they didn't print a lot of it so we uh yeah, we were on, a, I feel like, you know, with the break room and everything now, and yep. you know how it is. It's like, if you're not an established guy or anything, like you're, you're not getting allocations of anything. Yep. You're basically, I'm a full-time shopper is what, you know, you're just trying to find the, enough product and the best price you could possibly find. So we did scoop some, we got, uh, we got ourselves almost a full case and, uh, for a pretty decent price. So, um, we're gonna, we'll be having fun with that. Our, <laughs> the, yeah. the crew is excited. We, we actually have a really, a really big football following in our room. So it's, it's fun to see. So we'll, that we'll is. have some fun with football. Are you, so with your case, are you going to do a case break? Or are you going to split it up into multi boxes? We'll probably split it up into a bunch of boxes just because, you know, I feel like you want to, I, I want to squeeze a little juice out of it. You know yeah. I mean? Like uh, not just the one shot whack and, you know, it's an expensive, <laughs> it's an expensive product. So it you is, don't wanna, yeah. I don't want to price people out either. It's, you know, so for sure. That's for sure. But I mean, imagine what those cards, his uh, mosaic will go for. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. You get Cause I, I think mosaic, the release point is great because it's that bridge between Donish is going to do really well. Yep. Um, the inserts look awesome. And then you're going to have mosaic bridges to prism. Yep. And then prism is going to be extremely hot this year. And then it's, it's going to make that much more interest gravitate toward the contenders autos when they hit in December or January, wherever they hit this year. What do you no think? Of, yeah. What do you think of the, you know, mosaic, like the, the carryover between mm-hmm. basketball mosaic and football mosaic, like just the gap between that and these, what are you seeing out there? Uh, well, I think Panini realized really quickly how, how fast the adoption of mosaic took place in basketball this year. And I mean, it was within what, three or four weeks after mosaic, they saw the demand and they're like, well, mm-hmm. shoot, we're releasing mosaic football. I mean, you're not going to see the crazy prices like you did in basketball, but Holy crap. You're, people are talking about this. Yeah. Loving the idea of mosaic coming out. I think it, it baseball is that weird sport where like the cool insert cars and the graphics, they don't really apply as much, but in basketball and football, like collectors are, remember that. Oh yeah, I would like those stained glass cards. They're sweet. <laughs> they are awesome. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Awesome. No, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. All right, so let's we'll get into some of the breakery stuff in a little bit because I do want to hear kind of what how that's going. But um, for those that don't remember, uh, you you run a podcast mm-hmm. um, and or wrecked. It's called the Wrecked Podcast. Yep, wrecked Podcast. Um, g- give a little thirty second primer of, of kind of that world. The crypto sure. world we do for those that don't remember. Yeah. So if you if if anybody out there didn't listen to the first time we chatted, so essentially um the Wrecked podcast is a Bitcoin and cryptocurrency podcast. We've I've been doing that with my co-host chamber for 
uh, over two years, we've done, we did, we just had our 200th episode. So Goodness gracious. only a hundred in front of you. <laughs> you'll catch Stop. us soon. Yeah, you'll catch us soon. But uh, so we've been doing, we've been doing it for about since 2018. So we've seen the, you know, and we're not even crypto OGs. You get those guys that, uh, yep. you know, you get those guys that have been in since 2000. 10 4, 13 14 and those are your your crypto ogs but we got in in that bubble in 2017 and we've stuck around uh we've stuck around ever since and just been trying to provide some light-hearted uh crypto commentary with some news with some you know some education we we bring on a lot of really uh smart guests that can talk about all the great technical stuff going on in the cryptocurrency world and what you're seeing there on screen is we put together, uh, much like Ty and BenchClear, we put together a, um, a network, per se, of all the different uh, cryptocurrency podcasts out there trying to give people a one-stop shop. So it's called CoinHQ, um, where people can go check out all of our podcasts and streams and all that. And there's a bunch of different shows on there. So if you are interested in that world, um, you know, plenty of good information on coin hq and this this network that we've built so um anything from you know trading to uh the real technical stuff like mining for me and chamber are more of the i would say howard stern of crypto <laughs> like yeah, we're, you know we're just two guys uh two guys that you want to have a beer with uh talking about stuff we really don't understand so your kids, your kids should not listen to your podcast. No, no, ours. Yeah, we have the explicit warning on our podcast. <laughs> uh, so the, I was looking at this earlier, and and we've talked about this for months now. But one point one six million combined followers, seventy five thousand monthly listens. Yep. So you guys have exploded. Yeah, we. Uh, so it's really, honestly. Um, the social media reach is like, you know, there, there's all the hobby people, you know, that we, we know and stuff that there's a lot of big follower counts, but like crypto just has insane follower counts on their Twitter. Like some of these guys in this network have a hundred, 150,000 followers. And awesome. so, you know, when you're talking about building a network that we can reach a lot of people um, with a lot of good information, uh, you know, and, it's that that's kind of what we're, our goal was, was really branch out. And it's hard for, you know, just from a, obviously it's a hobby for us to do these yeah. podcasts, but yeah. you know, you like to monetize your hobby if possible. Right. Sure. Um, so, you know, part of that is, you know, get it, reaching out to sponsors, trying to get, you know, people to sponsor your show, things like that. So you can at least cover your expenses. Right. But uh, so our idea behind this was really let's, let's give, a more attractive platform for us to be able to, you know, attract some of these sponsors and empower in numbers type of thing. Right. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And again, you and I've talked about this a lot. I think we're on the same page. You've definitely challenged me to think about things a little differently. When, when you, when you see all these voices kind of on your channel and how do you think really over the past year, the idea of podcast and content has started to transform a little bit. Do you feel like it's becoming a little bit diluted and there's just so much out there? Everybody's got one, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's uh, so it's, it's hard. It is. I think it is diluted. Everybody uh, has a podcast now, which I don't think is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. it, you know, I always say, especially in the crypto space or 
I think here in the hobby, it's, it's more like, you know, there is room for everybody um, yeah. as long as you are consistent with it, right? Like I'll tell you right now, when I take, I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? So mm -hmm. when I take on a new podcast, the first thing I do is, okay, if before I subscribe, I look and see, all right, when was their last podcast? Okay, when was the last one before that? Am I gonna, you know, waste my time with something that's not gonna be consistent? And I think that's kind of the key to being at least some kind of successful uh, podcast. Yeah. It's hard to one, put it out, weekly content or daily content that people do it's it's hard and uh it's hard to be consistent with it as well i mean you know life gets in the way it's it's hard to yeah. be consistent but i you know everybody and their mother has a podcast and in fact that'd be a great podcast go. name everybody and their mother and i can just do it with my mom <laughs> there you go yeah That's you it. Go. <laughs> That's i mean it. what what do you think i mean it's it's uh, it's interesting because you're gonna see like a lot of people have more time, right? You're not going, some people are still working from home and all of that. So you have more time to mm -hmm. create content. I think you need to be able to, listeners out there need to be able to identify what is quality content versus just quantity content, right? Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think you realize what the, the direction of a show pretty quickly right? And you listen sure. to podcasts, you know, like there's certain guys and podcasts where they're just, we're worried about getting as much out as they can versus some that are doing it a weekly or bi-weekly. And they're just, it's let's lock in for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Maybe something that you can really take away some good stuff from. But it, I mean, this is, this parallels really right in line with what's happening in the sports car world, right? I mean, you, you go YouTube, anything now, and there's a billion results coming up for <laughs> sports car, top five picks, how, who do you invest in all that stuff mm -hmm. where, I mean, six months ago, if you buy that keyword out in the Google AdWords, like you basically own the search in YouTube. Now it's so competitive because there's yeah. everybody and their mother, right? There you go. <laughs> everybody and their mother are getting on talking about, you know, which cars to buy. Hey, uh, when we did the power five, it could be everybody and your grandmother with that guy's. Uh, That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. For those that didn't check it out, we did an episode of power five earlier this week. It's a new segment we're doing. That was really fun by the way. I had a good time. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's true. So, you know, for, I think that the big thing is to try to be able to identify what's quality versus what's quantity. Right. Yeah. And, and I think you need to be able to build some type of authority in the sense that, you know, what's the difference between some guy that, like you said, that just puts out a top five pick every week or, you know, how reliable is that? What's their track record? Do they do it every week? Are they, did they come up, last week, you know, because when you see these things, and and I think to your point is the parallel between what you're seeing just in content creation across the board, whether what whatever niche it is, right, is people follow the trend, right? And so right now, mm -hmm. there's nothing hotter than sports cards. It's when I was in 2017 in crypto, mm -hmm. I was getting texts from people that I hadn't heard from since grade school asking me what I thought about Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, you kind of are starting to see the same thing with sports cards. I have some buddies that are like, hey, I see you're into this. What can like tell me about it? And and that's like, you know, those are always the red flags that the top might be close. You know what I mean? Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I, I know. We're all, trust me, we're on the same page there for sure. For sure. Um, what do you yeah. think? You think the top's close? <laughs> yes, I, yeah. I, I think the top is in. I think uh, the top is in. For the short term. Yeah, I do. Um, 
But but to finish out that thought on content creation, I, I think it's interesting because you see all this massive like influx of content creators. And it's just like it's just like anything, right? Where you go in, you think you can just go buy a box of cards or a case of cards, and you can just you can piece it out and make money. And, and people get into these things not realizing the amount of work it takes sure. and how hard, like to your point, how hard it is to be consistent and put out fresh content. Mm-hmm. It is sure. really hard if you're not naturally gifted at it. Yeah, it's you it's know? very difficult. And I mean, it's kind of we were talking offline about like blogging, right? Like I could never, I, I, I tried to do it. I tried to write and I'm decent at it. I just hate doing it. And so I can't be consistent at it. And it's kind of the same, same idea, right? It is. Yeah. No, I, I have a rule of thumb where I, I won't, I won't watch top five investment videos or anything for that matter until I see a guy doing it for a year. There you go. See, that's what I mean. Consistency yep, and authority. Exactly. Right. Yep. And and if that person's still around, okay. And who knows? They may not even be good, but the fact that they're still around is after that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So I, I agree with you there. And I, I mean, the other thing is, I do think that there is like information overload, right? Like yep. there's only so much you can actually take in about a certain topic. So where, you know, I personally, if I'm looking to somebody for a something like a top five or authority or something like that, where it's okay, I like to stick with that person who has a method that I learn about that fits me. Because I could if I kept just going around YouTube, I'll get myself into these rabbit holes. And then I'm now trying to employ eight different investing strategies that I really don't know anything about any of them. So it's like, you try to, I feel like you have to pick something and learn it and not jump around because you could get analysis paralysis, you know? For sure. Yeah. For sure. No, I I hear you. I hear you. I think think we're going to see that die off a little bit because I think a lot of those picks and (laughs) ideas have not panned out for, you know, market goes up and and you're, you're, you get a monkey and you throw a dart and everything's right. Yeah. I mean, you just described crypto 2017, right? It's like, and or the current stock market or whatever, you know, I mean, like, uh, here's a great example that's very popular that people might recognize from, uh, you know, Dave Portnoy from Barstool, right? He's yeah. now, Davey Day he's, Trader. he's now Davy Day Trader, right? And stocks only go up. And, you know, so everybody looks like a genius. And uh, I mean, until they don't, right? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where, that's the problem. It's, it's, can you make good, smart picks, you know, whether it's trading, whether it's hobby cards, whatever in, in a down market, those are the guys you want to follow and learn from, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll give, I'll give Dave Portnoy credit. He is one entertaining fellow. Dude. It's, uh, yeah. I wish I had an, I, I consider myself decently charismatic. I wish I had an ounce of his charisma. <laughs> oh my goodness. All, I, I gravitate towards his pizza review video. Oh Did yeah. You see those? Oh yeah. I'm, okay. I'm a big pizza guy. Like that's uh, if I was a death row meal, it would be, it would be a New York style pizza. So <laughs> I definitely uh, gravitate towards those. And actually where I currently live, he actually came, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. And there's like a really specific style of pizza that is uh-huh. 
where I live. And uh, so I was interested to see what he thought of it. And he actually gave it some pretty good reviews. So. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. I love he's he's walking out eating the pizza. It's just a genius idea. Food. It's just genius. <laughs> he's, he's a marketer through and yeah, through. Absolutely. Um, just wait till he gets into sports cards, right? After yeah. he loses oh his remaining five million dollars in his day trading account. Yep. Yep. He'll be <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh well, I'll have yeah, I'm afraid to even think about having Dave on the show. That would be uh oof. Oh, he would control the show. That would be a so the other thing, I mean, speaking of him, and, and this is another parallel, right? It's like where he just recently, you know, because what, what he's doing in the stock market, people were like, oh, get him into crypto, get him into Bitcoin. Uh, he, he lasted about a week before he was out of that. Like he, he actually had the Winklevoss twins come to his place <laughs> and try to explain Bitcoin and stuff to him. And it just... Uh, I don't know if it was up his alley, but you know. Well, I, I saw him. Um, we're going down a rabbit hole. It's totally fine. Uh, I saw him respond to that a couple of days ago. So, because he always does that last 30 minutes of the day, and I'll tune yeah. in sometime just to watch it. It's pretty vulgar, but it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> Someone asked again, hey, man, why aren't you getting into Bitcoin? This is when the market was down like 800 points of the day. And he's just like, guys, it, it was really simple for me. I just don't. He didn't get it. It. Yeah, exactly. And like that. That's a great, again, a great parallel to what's happening in sports cars. There's so many people that think it's really simple. You just buy a card of a guy and it's that easy. It, there's a lot of complexities and nuances in sports cars that you have to take the time to learn. Yeah. Just find it, just figuring out which card of a guy you should be looking for, right? Because of, I mean, there's just influx and influx of, you know, while the print runs might be down, the product runs are not, right? Like there's yeah. products all the time. And so, you know, which ones do I need? Which ones should I be looking for? Which, and, and, you know, what's a good price even comparatively, and which is why I think what you do is so important uh, because, you break all of that pricing stuff down. And if you don't have a way to do that, you're just kind of shooting blind, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's interesting, right? Because you got, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of platforms now where you can use to chart stuff. And it's great. I think it's awesome. Car ladder and, you know, market movers, all the, all the things. Mm -hmm. And before even those existed, right? I was always extracting data and putting out visualizations. And it's funny when those, when those started, People were like, why would we, why do we need your stuff anymore, Ty? And I was like, it's totally fine. You don't have to, don't use it. And about a month into it, people were like, I don't really want to go through and look at charts. I just want you to analyze it for me and give me a summary. <laughs> so it's like all of a sudden everyone's like gravitating back towards, can you give me that summary report of everything <laughs> happening in the market? It's really funny how people, That's funny. <laughs> you know, put into work for something. Yeah, of you course. A certain amount of time and you're like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Um, okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about because you get great perspectives from the people you interview, um, and you obviously have you're coming from a crypto perspective too. What's your view from an, a macroeconomic um, perspective? Like, how are you feeling about the way things are shaping up in the economy as a whole? Because it does, I think it does influence everything happening in the sports car world. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've it. I don't know if this is the right way to feel, but it feels kind of scary and shaky, you know, like in one circumstance you have 
okay, stocks only go up, right? And then in one circumstance, you have, you know, 15 million people without a job. And then you're like, okay, so what, what's, what's the real thing going on out there, right? And <laughs> then you got this housing market, which is going insane. And then, you know, so there's just so much going on. And you're not really like, the thing I, I think about is, you know, we might not be in like, the thick of this yet for another, like the actual impact of what's been going on in the economy for another year, two years, you know, whatever, like yep. where, you know, we're seeing, we might not see the actual trickle down impact of it for a while. Right. It, it kind of feels like things are being propped up. Right. And uh, where, you know, the economy is still in theory good, but you still have all these people without jobs and, you know, you see that happening or you see the, the effects of that everywhere, but like, have we really seen the full effect of it yet? And that's kind of what I'm thinking about, right? It's, it's, yeah. I mean, we kind of saw it, you know, in 2008, 2010, all of that, but like what happened there, you know, the, the upper class, mm -hmm. uh, they rebounded completely and are still in front of where they were then. But the, what you found is, okay, the middle class, it hasn't rebounded as much still, even yet, even still like you, and now there's just bigger gaps, right? And so that's what's kind of scary about what you see now is like, mm -hmm. will that gap keep growing and all of that? So, and you see that with investing, you see it with sports cards. I mean, like the parallel is, okay, I mean, just prices of boxes, right? Like you're, you got, it, it feels almost like a, a, a wealthy man's hobby at this point. You know what I mean? Where you're talking $900 a box for a mosaic box. And, uh, you know, that gap will probably continue to grow, right? And you start pricing people out. Uh, so who knows, you know, what do you think? Yeah, no, those those are great points, and I, I was I was trying to lead us down the path of the breakdown of the middle class, which I yeah. think really what you were just saying there, right? And I, it's that to me is the most telling, um, I guess, signal to what's going to happen because mm -hmm. if the middle class breaks down and that gap continues to widen, and like I mean, something, something's got to give. Yeah, you can see the stat. I mean, like you can see the stats from the last time this happened, right? Was I, kind of what I was saying before was like, you know, the upper class rebounded quicker, faster, and now they're still where they were or ahead of the game in, in, you know, the time value of money or whatever, but like the middle class didn't and, ha and haven't as quickly. Right. So if that is happening now, and I don't know if we're really in the thick of what the economic uh, implications are of what's going on with COVID and lockdowns and all of that, like you might still see that uh, continue to grow. And, and, you know, when you talk about what's happening, like I said, it, it feels like things are getting propped up where, you know, you have stimulus packages coming out and people getting money from the government. And, you know, whether you believe, however you believe in that, it's from an economic standpoint, it's kind of why, something like crypto is important, right? Where you're getting this dollar deflation essentially, mm -hmm. or sorry, dollar inflation. And mm -hmm. you're the cost or the, the value of your dollar is less and less every single day. So, um, yep. you know, something, you know, crypto and Bitcoin is still very volatile, right? But it is a, 
sound version of money. Whereas the fact that somebody can go print, uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars out of the blue, that is not a sound, uh, version of money and it's kind of the same again with sports cards right it's like the only thing keeping the only thing keeping it intact is the fact that they're that these companies are not overprinting. the second they start printing uh you know inflating their print runs it's all over again right which is yeah. why you see the boxes going crazy but you know so it's all it's all paralleled no it is yeah it's interesting because you we talk about the like from the economic perspective of stimulus packages and the, and the inflationary world that we live in, asset prices go up. Yep. And, and an asset right now um, is your house, your car, your sports cards, right? When there's more money in the system, they go up. And we, we laugh because, you know, over the last couple of months, we've kind of like, why is this guy going up? He's not even playing. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's, that's the component of inflation that, you know, impacts prices. Um, but yeah, at a certain point, right. When you, when you don't have job, you don't have continued streams of income. And then that is your demographic. Like the demographic in the sports car world is, as you know, because you're selling to them, it's 18 to basically 40 mm -hmm. and outside that range. You have buyers, but they're bigger buyers. They focus on different things and, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of in their peak earning years and they're, they're, they're not influencing the market as much as we think. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree with that. And then, I mean, but then you still have these like pockets of these big money yep. investors that are coming in and scooping everything up and that is driving prices also. Um, you know, but like you said, that won't last long if the top is in, you know what I mean? <laughs> like those, those people are not going to continue to do that if they don't see the returns on what they're buying. Yeah. Well, so what happens, right? If you, if you study the history of economics, it's when when you have these inflationary settings, you the the, the set sound money gravitates towards safe haven assets. Sure, hundred percent. I think you and I both agree that, and anyone would agree, like sports cards are not safe haven assets, <laughs> right? Or they or they they gravitate towards alternative currencies, or right? Just metals or crypto. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that that to me is what probably concerns me the most is that, to your point money keeps printing and then we have the middle class breaking down like target number one is like these little tiny bubbles that are formed all over the place that can break down pretty quickly. Oh yeah. Do you, so from a crypto world, I mean, crypto is a highly volatile currency and I think that super volatile. <laughs> yeah. You see it move up three or $400 in the last couple of weeks. You see it move up and down three or 400 bucks a day. So that's three, uh, 3,000 bucks. It was, uh, what are we at today? I think Bitcoin somewhere in the low tens, but, uh, you know, a week and a half ago, it was twelve five. <laughs> two like two weeks ago, it was twelve thousand five hundred. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah dipped down to nine or ninety five, which yeah, is right quick <laughs> in a week, which is which is crazy. Um, and it's funny listening to your show and talking. You got me kind of interested in crypto more, which is fun. Um, but when you see the volatility in crypto, um, and then you come over here to the sports car world, and you're seeing that mad volatility as well. Do you, do you see any stark parallels between the two? Like, is there anything you can learn from what your experience has been in crypto to what is happening in sports cards or is there? Sure. I mean, I think the big thing we've kind of touched on a little already is, uh, is 
being able to identify these uh, trends and bubbles, even like, like you said, right? Like this, this is starting to feel a lot like a 2017 crypto bubble to me, right? Where, you know, you got the guys that are, were in super early that, you know, it's kind of like the bell curve, right? Where you yeah. have guys that are super early adopters that have been doing this forever. They never left the hobby. And those are the guys that are cashing in on these, you know, huge, huge price increases. And then you got these, Guys that, you know, if the top is in the the late comers, late adopters that are going to be buying in the crypto world, you uh, refer to it as buying someone's bags. <laughs> and so mm. you're, you're left holding the bag. Right. And that's that's what you don't want to do. So um, I think you need to be careful of you just need to you need to be a risk. So in such a volatile asset, when I say risk averse, it's, it's almost laughable, right? Because mm. you know, how can you be risk averse when you're bit holding Bitcoin that goes up to $3,000 and down $3,000 a week. But like, you know, I, I think it's risk management is the right sure. way to do it. Right. So just like you just said, it's not, you know, sports cards are not a safe haven asset. Uh, but right now you see guys that are out there that have a lot of their income goes into sports cards, right? And so, you know, I think the risk management piece is something that you that you can learn from. And then the other thing too, I mean, with just something so volatile, it's, you have to be able to kind of weed out the so bitcoin is one thing right like bitcoin's the the blue chip of crypto it's it's like that's your your gold right but there are 2500 other cryptocurrencies out there and then so what happens is you'll get someone that finds bitcoin reads about it thinks it's great and then they see all these other coins that they're like well if this could just go up to what Bitcoin is, I will be a billionaire. I'll own a private island, right? And so the big thing is like when you're looking at some of these other coins, you have to understand the supply, uh, like the supply of these and what the market cap already is. So when you're talking about sports cards, what does that mean? Okay, what's the pop report on some of these? Like what are, how, how much, how much supply is actually out there? And does that reflect what the prices are right like you be you be in a crypto coin that has a circulating supply of 20 trillion and then yeah no wonder it's two cents a coin because if it was a dollar a coin it would surpass the gdp of all of the you know united kingdom or all of europe like so you know that that's stuff that you can take over from that uh that one market to the other, right? It's it's learning about the supply. And so there are blue chips in sports cards, right? There's always going to be these uh, these blue chips that are safer, like the safest mm. investments you can make. And then there's some that are just going, you need to be able to identify uh, the difference, right? That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about the other digital currencies kind of being like the prospect market. And it's it, it 100% is. And that's, it's funny, you'll find people that, discover crypto that's usually their progression they'll see bitcoin they'll be like holy crap bitcoin's great and then they'll be like well but this thing's worth 20 cents and if it goes to a dollar i could buy ten thousand of these for the same price i could buy a fraction of a bitcoin for if this goes up i'll be rich and that that happens to every new person that comes into the crypto market so um you know 
So here's your task, Joe. Um, you need to create a, a category system for us. Single A, double A. Ah, I like that. Yep. Okay. Currency, so you can just simplify it for all of us sports car people. I, could, I definitely could. And then, you know, it's uh, there's uh, you could even do the the top four major sports, right? Because these coins are are kind of separated into what their, what their functionality is, right? So, um, you know, there's privacy coins. There's, I mean, the biggest thing in crypto right now is DeFi, uh, decentralized finance, and which is such a cool idea, right? So basically, what DeFi is is all right. So say you say you want to buy a house and you need Traditionally, you need to go to a bank, get a mortgage. You need to jump through all these hoops. And, you know, so DeFi is essentially decentralized finance where you could go potentially take out a loan totally permissionless without anybody, without having to do any of that. Right. And it's all done on these smart contracts. So the smart contract is written to, you know, it works based on a set of rules. And once those rules are followed, money's released, you know, vice versa. And so all of these, uh, all of these things are done with liquidity pools. So people put stake their money into these liquidity pools, getting reward or interest. And then, you know, that's how it's funded. So right now I just read that the top, uh, top five or six like DeFi projects in crypto, there's over $2 billion locked up in these liquidity pools. So like people are, wow, people are, are into this DeFi concept and, you know, what these smart contracts, there's some really cool things when you start to think about smart contracts and what you could do with sports cards or memorabilia. Mm -hmm. When you think about like provenance or trading or all of that, I mean, the provenance thing is really where I think it could be huge, where it's, where did it come from? Where did it go? How much money was spent on it? What was the last sale? The Basically your whole trail of ownership and authenticity. Yeah. And I mean, that's huge for sports and memorabilia is the authenticity piece. Is it, am I getting what I think I'm getting? Right. And, yeah. and uh, so I think that could be a huge avenue for, uh, you know, the sports card slash memorabilia market going forward as well. And, you know, we've already seen some blockchain stuff with actual cards, like you yep. putting out the blockchain cards. And even, I think the last time I was on, we were talking about garbage pail kids because tops did the blockchain garbage pail kids. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, all that stuff can be applied to sports cards really. And it's, it's really going to be interesting. I think to see what the technology allows the hobby to evolve into, right? Like you kind of said it already where, you're starting to see more of this software and things to facilitate that, but like, that's still like lagging, right? That's still not the the mm -hmm. newest and best uh, technology that's out there. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, you know, in the future with that stuff. Yeah. So I'm curious in the DeFi. So when I hear you talk about that and, and pooling the money together and let's, let's say you want to go buy a house what what would be the advantage of doing that? Is it is it just to and I think of like crypto and the whole mindset, the philosophy behind it anyway. It's kind of like let's get out from the ownership of government banking sure. and, and let's manage this ourselves. Is that kind of the principle of philosophy driving? Yeah, I mean for sure. So like I mean the other thing is is access, right? Like you mm -hmm. and I have access to a bank to get something like that done, right? Yeah. But there's millions of people that don't right so like you know one it's permissionless two it's 
like provenance, like I said. So it's all on the blockchain. You can, uh, you know, verify everything. But to your point, yeah, like it is essentially so you you don't have the control, right, uh, of, mm-hmm. of these other parties. So a bank could go freeze your assets for whatever reason and, yeah. or, you know, or in this case of the government overprinting your money, right? Like you can hold it in something like that, right? I mean, there's there's endless possibilities yeah. when it comes to that. The loan piece is, is just like one tiny example, but, yeah. um, you know, there's tons of these projects out there that are doing, you know, cool stuff like that. Like I said, there's a, there's a mortgage one, there's like small loans, there's all kinds of other stuff that you can, uh, you can get into with this DeFi um, idea. And, you know, like I said, it's, it doesn't even need to just be uh, the traditional finance things that we think about, right? Yeah. Something like a smart contract that uh, it, that can prove where your cards are or where they've been, uh, that that's technically DeFi. You're using that smart co- or that smart contract, right? In these uh, different cryptocurrencies to kind of uh, be that point of proof. And um, so it's not just the traditional things of decentralized finance, but the other thing too is how about, how about like this, where say you wanted to say your dream card is, is that, uh, you know, say Mike Trout goes on to have the 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 career everybody wants him to, and he's going to win five World Series at some point, right? So that Mike Trout, be, yeah, that Mike Trout yeah. two seventy five yep. is going to go, and it'll be the like the Brady contenders holy grail, right? So you yep. you'll never own that, but what if you could own a fraction of that, right? And what if you can securitize a sports card, right, where you're buying and now all of a sudden that that Tom Brady card. Uh, that is never affordable to you, that is probably never going to go down in price. It will only go up. Now that becomes a safe haven asset, right? And you could buy and swap fractions of ownership of those types of things that are provable and permissionless and all of that. So you know, you, you kind of see that now with some... some uh, have you ever seen Rally Road? it's an app and they kind of do this with like part of this yes i haven't checked it out they kind of like securitize cars so like you could do that with like really fancy cars but it's all done like you know they actually make the car secure a registered security but like in theory you wouldn't need to do that and you can have yeah. uh, you know your your part ownership in your mickey mantle you know <laughs> yeah that that's fascinating i mean it's funny, like it, it sounds so pie in the sky, but like, let's, I mean, yeah. we all agree with this. This is the direction we're trending with the new influence and in the hobby, uh, investor oriented, blah, blah, blah. Like you name it. Like this is the trend. The trajectory is aiming towards, I want a piece of that. Not right. because I want to collect the car, but because I want to, I want a piece of the player. I want right. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, think about like, what fantasy sports has done in that aspect as well. Like that's only going to, I think, uh, push that mindset forward. I mean, like you've got guys, I mean, we did it on the power five. We picked a fantasy PSA 10 lineup, right? Like that's people are going to buy and sell cards based on stuff like that. And uh, I mean, so if you're talking these cards that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that you might be able to own a piece of, and uh, that, I think I saw some Luka Doncic card that went for like 220,000 the other day, a couple of weeks ago. 
Luca's like one of those guys where he's young. If you could afford a piece of that, you have a shot to speculate on his whole career on that card. You know what I mean? Like something like yeah. that. Or, I mean, but even just the the smart contract aspect that allows it to allow would allow you to do that. I mean, think of something as easy as paying your rent, right? Like uh, you can do. All right, I pay my rent from my phone. It opens my lockbox to my door. If I don't pay my rent, my lockbox is locked, right? Like that can all be done smart contract and the rules are followed. If they're followed, it's clear, like it's cleared. If it's not, it's not, you know what I mean? Um, So, you know, that's just an easy example, but it's really interesting technology. And that's something that is not done on really Bitcoin. That's all done on like the Ethereum network and some of these other uh, networks that, yeah, a whole nother topic we could talk about. Yeah. It's funny though, like the philosophy, like we hinted towards earlier about crypto and, and this type of technology being this sense of rebellion almost, you know, rebellion from the big oh. government. Yeah. When I hear stuff like that, I think that to me sounds more controlling. Like there's more little aspects and, and hooks inside my it's, life. That I really well, it's harder to, it's harder to use. Right. So like now there's, so the problem with tokenizing everything is tokenizing everything, right? Like it's, you, right. Got, you have, uh, which isn't going to ever happen. Like there's some really uh, firm believers in this where they're like, okay, token, there's gotta be a token for everything. And that's not going to work. Like it just yeah. doesn't, it just doesn't work. But that's not to say that there won't be some, you know, industries in which it really makes sense. So like one that I can think of that, you know, is like uh, electronic medical records, right? Like EMR stuff, where if, if all of that is able to be information that's on the blockchain, able to be transferred, all of that kind of stuff. And I mean, that makes life a lot easier, right? Or even like I said before, uh, or, or how about voting? How about voting, right? Like voting is something that we're, I mean, going to be talking yeah. about it a lot in in the next couple months, and yeah. there will be there will be controversy in voting. But there, you know, you do something like tokenized voting or or blockchain voting, and you can't fake that, right? Like, so yeah. you know, there's all these little industries that it would be perfect for. Um, but like you said, it, it's overwhelming, and it's like it'll, that'll never happen, right? But in some industries, it makes sense. And like I said, like yeah. I think the the sports card one, it kind of does. Where fraud is such a any industry where f- anything where fraud is a huge element of it, yeah, um, that will be it'll be big. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, Louis Louis Vuitton actually just uh, launched a blockchain to be able to verify their authenticity for their. Uh, for their stuff. And I think the LA Kings did one as well for all their merchandise and memorabilia that they, uh, that they sell. So, I mean, people are toying with it. So I, I can just picture it now, someone carrying around a little USB drive as their purse, right? Cause that's the, that's the authenticity that they're holding. Yeah, instead of uh, like the coach with all the C's, it's just all their <laughs> QR codes. <laughs> no, I promise, man, I have a purse here. Plug it in. I'll show you. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Um, uh, real quick to touch on, we talked about diversification and how like in, in, the, in the crypto world to diversify with your investment in, in Bitcoin, it's it's easy because there's so many financial markets, you know, you mm-hmm. can get options to protect yourself. In the sports car world, it's not that easy, but right. I was just going to comment on for those that are looking to diversify and protect themselves a little bit. The easiest way I always like to just remind people is that you buy wax, sit on wax, 
by by graded of of serial numbered cards, mm-hmm. you know, actual cards that are short printed, not low PSA pop reports, but low short printed cards with PSA or BGS, and uh, and not be afraid to sit on raw cards either. Like that to me, when you start diversifying in sports cards, you got to bring in all elements to protect the money you're putting into the hobby. So uh, that's interesting because I feel like what we're seeing with trend prices uh, is is almost having the opposite effect of what you just said, right? Where like you're seeing base cards that are obviously not short printed going for crazy amounts of money. <laughs> it's, it's so I think your point is right where if it if it's working the opposite way that it logically should because you're you're spending more I feel like people are spending more money on base cards that are not scarce, right? And versus and I'm not even sure why that is. What do you think? Um Again, it's something that anybody can buy and feel like they can see the movement. When you, when the top one percent are the only ones that can grab a Zion Williamson PSA ten silver, you know, uh, or like you can get one PSA ten silver, or you can go grab ten Brandon Clark silvers, like or base cards for that matter. Like I, I get it, man. I get it. Like the the de- again back to the demographics. The demographics that are coming into the hobby. Are a majority are from 18 to 25. Mm-hmm. And the other guys, you know, 26 to 36 who are in their peak earning years, those are the guys that can spend money on silvers and stuff. And we, we have to be okay with but is that is that a is that a safe thing to do when you know for exactly that reason, right? Yeah. Like the the prices could only go so high on a you would think on a base card, right? Because it's not short printed. But what we're seeing is like, okay, for let's take baseball. You got the Topps Chrome Luis Robert's going outside, uh, out going nuts, right? And uh, yep. so it's so it's interesting because I think, I mean, I think you're seeing base cards. What doesn't make sense to me is you're obviously seeing the base card become more valuable from a price perspective, right? But there's no scarcity in the base card. So how? you know, where do you draw the line? Like, what is the, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think it's the same thing as like there, the volume on the Berkshire Hathaway stock is traded, you know, a hundred times a day. Cause it's the hundred thousand dollars a share mm-hmm. versus, you know, the Ford stock where, you know, it's 60 million shares traded a day. Like it's just barrier of entry. It's, it's so much lower and you can, you can bring in a different audience, a complete audience. I, so I, I asked this question. I have an interview coming out next week with Brent and Becca, Brent Williams, Brent and Becca on eBay is maybe the largest sports card seller, 250,000 you know, feedback, crazy amount. And I asked him this question and I said, what, what would you be more concerned about? The base card prices coming down, wax car, wax boxes, you know, sealed wax dropping or high end coming down. And it was like, bam, he goes, not even, not even a question to me. The biggest risk is high-end cards because the second a one or two of the top you know, guys buying up the stuff drop out, which some of them will, or some of them will die because it's 70, 60-year-old plus, mm-hmm. it, it prices drop dramatically or really, you know, it's just- Right, because they kind of set the, the, they set the floor for everything else in that exactly. there's, uh, 
you know, spectrum, right? Yep. That's very interesting. Yeah. He, he believes that, and he, he provides great perspective. He's done this for 20 years. He thinks the safest investment of everything is graded base. Hmm. Interesting. I, I think you're seeing that that trend is happening. Like, I think so. You look at what is happening, like a Wander Franco first Bowman PSA 10 is, you know, 150 bucks now. Like that's, uh, I mean, honestly, it's the strategy I'm taking is, uh, you know, when you, wa- when you watch it happen, like I get scooping up all the base and then grading it, right? Like that makes sense to me in the sense that it's okay. In the sense that it, if, if it PSA nines versus a 10, I'm probably breaking even on what I bought. It may be a slight loss, but the ones that 10 you're making your, your two, three, four times because I mean, so that strategy makes sense to me. And that's kind of what I'm doing personally. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as well as I've stashed away some, uh, some 2019 Bowman draft because I think that's a good product. I do. That's a great product. Oh my <laughs> so away some of that. So, uh, but I mean, you know, I've seen some chat going on in the uh, Discord the last couple of days about the basketball wax prices and uh, mm. coming down, mm. and you know, having it be due to you know allocations and not being able to sell their allocations. I guess. So, what are your what are your thoughts on that basketball wax piece? So first off, it was overpriced. Um, I just put out a basketball prism update and at the beginning of it, and the link will be up here somewhere. um, The beginning of it, I showed kind of the macro view of what the price is, the overall like combined daily sales have done. And you can see like when they announced the season coming back, prices went up, you know, 2X or the amount of total spend. And then, you know, the first week of the bubble prices went up. But it was crazy to me that there was a like a massive drop um, the day, the three days they protested and sat hmm. out. Interesting. Fine sales for PSA 10 silvers and base dropped like 25%. Really? That's yeah. And again, it's not a political, I don't <laughs> no, want to. It's, it's really interesting. That's but, interesting. But like, I think, I think a little bit has to do with um, prices were just too high. Um, the season's ending and I would not underestimate people getting somewhat distracted with what the agendas are of sports players right now. Yeah. I think I, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, you see it in viewership too. You look at the numbers in like the NBA and some, even MLB. Well, so it'll be interesting to watch NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the games, like the numbers for games in basketball, everyone thinks it's, it's not high. Like it's no, dropping considerably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That plays into the car. My buddy, uh, my buddy works for ESPN and he covers the NBA and he's saying the exact same thing. So, cause he has to deal with all the ratings numbers and all of that. And he's, that's exactly what he's saying. Mm. Well, so there you go. Right. So that, that's my, my point of view, but I think I, I mentioned this in discord, I think come uh, you know, October, November, December, when the season fires back up, especially with a weaker rookie class, you're going to wish you went back and grabbed 1920 rookies yeah. during this next six week period. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you were even saying, and I, I agree with you that like typically in the, in the playoffs or where we're at now, it's like the rookies of this year don't make it that far. Right. But now once they, once they do, those cards are going to explode and it makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. 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 So I guess I got to go buy some uh, rookies in the next six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get, get ready. Scoop up some base. 
Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> so that's a great parallel, a great transition point. Um, so tell tell me a little bit about what you've been doing with the breakery, because when we talked last, you really had not gone all in. Yeah. yeah. So we were, it was May at that point, I think. Yep. And so we actually, I actually started the room. Um, I actually started the room on Christmas day. Okay. And so, uh, and honestly, so my buddy, Rob, who I run the room with, uh, mm-hmm. his name's Rob Smart and him and I, he got me back into the hobby. Right. So like I had been away from the hobby for so long and he got me back in and I was basically you know, everything he was doing, I was super into. And he got me into like joining group breaks and all this stuff. And I I was immediately hooked because it's me. I have a little bit of a gambler's mentality in me. And so the buying into a break was, was always attractive to me. And then I'm sitting there, I'm like, Rob, I'm like, why have you never tried to do this? Cause I it like, uh, he's like, why have you never tried? And he's like, well, you know, it's hard to break the, or build the room and you know, you don't want to sit on product if you can't fill it. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't buy that. I'm like, let's go do it. <laughs> and so uh, on Christmas, I, I, like I said, I had a, bought a bunch of uh, Bowman 19 uh, draft. And so I like, I started the room with just a giveaway, which I don't usually like to do, but like, I would just get people in the room and then that's how it started. Uh-huh. Um, and we've grown, we have over 1200 people in the group now and hey, we're, awesome. we're doing at Yeah. We're doing at least a break a day. And so we are, uh, we're full steam. So when we, when we last talked, I think we were around, you know, maybe 600. So we've probably doubled in size since then. Um, we bought We brought on another guy to break with us. His name's Rusty Hall. He's uh, He's just a workhorse. Like if I was doing this myself, I couldn't have built it as well as we have because I just don't have the time to break like that. And he, he's, he just wants to break all the every, all day, every day. So, you know, we, uh, we've really taken it to the next level. I mean, you know, the problem is always uh, product and getting enough of it and at the right price, because he's, what I don't want to do is price people out. So our whole, mission is you know the newest and best products we could possibly provide at the absolute best price we can provide you know so it's all that's really what it is and we've built a really nice community of people and that's kind of i think the key to any of these um you know break break rooms uh it's got you got to build the community you got to give people a reason to want to hang out with you right like whether they're buying into the break or not like come watch, come hang out and come. I'm the, I always joke. I'm the whipping boy of the breakery. Everybody likes to pick on me. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so we do everything on Facebook. We built the group totally on Facebook, which, um, I did because I thought it was the fastest way to get access to people, right? There was a ton of, you know, these card groups on Facebook. So there, there were collectors there and typically Facebook's a little older of a, 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 you know, a demographic. So, um, you know, that, that was the attractive piece too. And you could just reach so many people easier. Like I don't, I didn't want to take people away from, you know, what they were doing to drive traffic to another website to, you know, do all of that. So that's, has its limitations as you get bigger, but I, I still would have started that way. I would still start that way again if I had to do it all over today. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so 
there's obviously lots of new people entering the market. What, what, how have you dealt with the frustrations of allocations and getting products? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think I mentioned this earlier. I feel like I'm a full, all we do is shop now. Right. Right? Like so, and, and, you know, it's, we've, uh, so we're like, you know, we're a legit business. We've got, we've got our LLC. We do all that. So we've got all these, we've got distributor accounts, right? But the problem is that does it that and you know twenty five cents gets you, <laughs> right? Get you a gumball. Like there's nothing there that does nothing for you, right? So it's it's been very difficult because you I mean you just have no shot uh, uh, from an allocation standpoint. So anybody out there that is maybe thinking of starting a room or something, you know, just go into it knowing that that's not that's that's not in your future anytime soon unless you unless you know somebody right like so we we've done a lot of um basically what i do every day is network in the sense of you know i'm trying to one of our our best ways to get product now is we actually partnered with an lcs that has uh you know that gets a decent amount of allocation that is willing to work with breakers which you know not a lot of them are and i understand why <laughs> but uh you know the fact that fact of the matter is we're, we've been talking all this time about technology and how that's going to affect you know currency and and uh the sports card market but like i mean it's really going to affect the sports card market right like you're all the the lcs they're they got to essentially adapt or you know, they're just not going to be able to survive as long as they would. Right. So, you know, we were able to partner with somebody that saw like a decent vision and had, you know, some allocations that he was willing to part with. And so that's been how we've been getting products. So I've been just trying to find every avenue, but that's a great idea. That's a great strategy. And then actually, I don't want to give away all my secrets, but <laughs> this, so I had this idea. I'm like, look, there's got to be these card shops out there that, and there, I know there is because I've seen them and they, I know they exist, that the owners don't do sports. Like they're not primarily sports card shops. They're Pokemon or they're comic book shops. And they have these big, long lasting existing relationships with these distributors. So all of a sudden you go say, Hey, look, I, I do all this volume in sports cards. What can you get? And all of a sudden the guy's like, Holy crap, there's that much money in sports cards. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's my, we've, we've done that a couple of times too. And so you just got to find, you just got to hustle, man. That's it. You nailed it. You know, <laughs> there's never been a time in the sports card history where you've had to hustle more yeah. to get so little. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I know. And it, it's, it, but it's fun. It's, it's, you know, we're not in this to be millionaires, but it's, it's, it's a fun time. So, and then, you know, we do, we put together a fantasy football league in our group where we actually do anybody who's in it. We did a uh, beat the breaker. And so any, if they beat us in any head to head matchup, we, you know, they're getting break credit and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's uh, making fun, like promotions. We did, we had a really cool uh, give, uh, idea for March Madness that never happened, but you know stuff like that. It really keeps people around and, and want they want to hang out, you know, and break yeah. with you. So for sure, yeah. no, I, th- I think you nailed it. That that is the component that's probably the the most underestimated is the the idea of community. Like yeah. people, when we did the Hobby Palooza, right, where we we knew like we didn't have the national. 
And we knew this group of hundreds of people that were just missing the community aspect. And we focused on like, let's do just drive community for this one weekend. Yeah. Like that, that is the heartbeat of the future of the hobby. It's powerful, man. Like, I mean, that's kind of what, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's powerful. And that's another reason I would start if you're out there and you want to start uh, on Facebook, right? Because you can, it's already a built forum type place, right? Where, you know, a website, you're one, you're driving your own traffic there Two, you can't really build the community as well. Even Instagram, it's harder to build that community. Um, you know, so that's another reason I think Facebook was the right move for us because we were so focused on that to begin with. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Um, where can people find the breakery? What's the website? So we, we have a website that is breakerysports.com and we're actually doing a giveaway right now. So if you head over, yeah, there you go. If you head over to breakerysports.com, we're giving away a 2020 Donruss football hobby box. So, uh, just in time for kickoff, we wanted to do some football stuff. Uh, so Check us out at breakerysports.com. And then there's actually a link right there. Oh, there you go. Look at you. <laughs> there it is. Yes, so sign up to for the uh, for the giveaway there. And then if you actually want you to submit there, it'll take you just to the home screen. You're good to go. You're going to get a nice little welcome email. And then right there, you're just going to see it'll take you right to the Facebook group. Um, so everything is done on Facebook. You can check out the upcoming breaks on the website, but I wanted to make it so you can literally, Oh yeah, we got some, we got some sweet Watson last night during halftime. <laughs> we had a, we had a case of those 2017 blasters. We did, we had some homes and yeah, we did some halftime break last night. Awesome. Uh, we're doing Sterling today, all kinds of good stuff. So this is why Shopify's site stock is so high. Yeah. So, so it's easy. amazing it's uh it may look i am not the most technical uh guy out there so for me to be able to put that together anybody can do it <laughs> i love it i love it all right so um let's wrap this up here real quick so if you it's a new question i'm, I'm asking people if you were to summarize in a clickbait tagline of, of what this episode should be what would you tag it with Ooh. so okay the clickbait tagline is, uh, hmm. I, I mean, <laughs> top five sports cards you should buy right now. I would say tech, technology. Uh, let's see. Let's go with something about technology. Uh, the future of sports cards and technology. And how it parallels crypto. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Awesome. Uh, favorite book you've read recently. Give me a new oh, one. The, this one, you know, everybody says it changes their life, but it's changed my outlook on life. The four hour work week. <laughs> Ooh. Four hour work week. Yeah. That's uh, if you haven't read it, you'll never want to work a, job that's not for yourself ever again so <laughs> be careful that, that needs to come with a warning because once you read it you will be looking for a way out of your nine to five <laughs> yeah no for sure if you, you don't listen to tim ferris's podcast tim ferris has a great podcast yeah for, for, sure. a, for a minute for sure cool man well joe 
It's always a pleasure to have you on. You're Appreciate welcome. it. Anytime. All right, man. Have a good week. Thanks, man. You too.